0: Well, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 28, and we will to look at something here this evening. And it's good to see you here, a good crowd on a Tuesday night. Thank you for coming. And I assume we have some folks on live stream. Thank you for joining us as well. And I trust the Lord will give you something here tonight. We're kind of on a theme, and uh, some of you remember, if I can just uh, again recap, since there might be some new ones aboard here, Uh, A couple of years ago uh, in uh, the month of May I was with a pastor who uh, introduced me to a video series that now is quite well known in our church called the Conquer Series and it set me on a journey because in working with young people for uh, really several decades I began to, it put some dots together, some things that I had seen but it put it together in a way I really had not seen before and I began a journey of which I've continued on uh, just piece by piece. My wife has done a lot of reading and, and fed me things to read that have been helpful as well. And many of you were a part of that journey two years ago. We kind of laid out the issues of strongholds and how we get there and some of those things. We've had a couple of conferences where we have dealt with some of those items. And some of you are now familiar with a little bit of the charting as we gave you in Sunday school, the addicted route, the addicted mindset, the addictive behavior, addictive cloak. And uh, we dealt with some of those things. And as I mentioned, as we were on the journey, I was certainly finding as I presented these things, people were People putting dots together, was helping people recognize, okay, now I see why I struggle here, why I have a propensity here, uh, whatever it might have been. There's so many different ways, different folks It literally elicited conversation I'd never had in my, in my ministry. I, in the last two years, have done more counseling. I'd say I've done more counseling on a serious level than I did in the 34 years preceding that, just as a result result. of doing some preaching on the issue of strongholds. And so many of you have been a part of that journey and I'm certainly not here to repeat a lot of the things that we've done. We've kind of been on that journey together and of course we had the True Identity Conference which really delved into it in depth and dealing with our who are we are in Christ, who Christ is in us and that important union that we have and how that deals with so many of the issues of strongholds. And it's kind of funny along these two years and the nagging in my heart was I, I, I said nothing wrong that we're preaching but there's still something missing. And I remember it was just a few weeks ago, as I mentioned, the Lord uh, opened my eyes to the truth that really at the bottom line of the whole thing was the issue of selfishness. Every man, he, when he is tempted, is drawn away of his own loss and enticed. And I found when I preach on that, that seemed to be the catalyst that exploded the other truth into brokenness, repentance and a desire to see full reclamation, it was the preaching on sin, really, on the issue of self. And we did that on Sunday night. Some of you joined us for that message as we walked through a passage of Scripture. Even though it never mentions self, it certainly deals with self. Uh, There in Romans chapter number 13, And so I began to recognize that this particular issue, strongholds, and of course, largely we're dealing with the uh, viewing issue of viewing pornography and those kind of things, the moral impurity issues of our day, which are prevalent, and many other strongholds that come along with that. I began to recognize, as I became on the journey, counseling, etc., that that particular issue has what we call co-infections. And if you were here on Sunday morning for Sunday school, did a PowerPoint on the co-infections with moral impurity. And we laid out some things that seemed to come along with that particular sin and my point was simply this, you could completely get victory over moral impurity but you might still have problems. Some co-infections that have kind of accompanied that particular issue and continue to cause struggle in your life. And of course I recognized when I viewed the, viewed the Conquer series that uh, there was a stunning statement that if that issue, is a uh, moral impurity issue is part of the uh, uh, problem in your life, that it's a two to five year recovery. And I think that was quite of illuminating for many in this room, for myself as well, to realize the length of time it takes and now I understand why. Because it's not just dealing with the issue of lust, it is dealing with many sins that accompany it. Now, as I mentioned the other night, selfishness is one of those issues that precedes a moral failure. You you won't have moral failure until you have selfishness, because the Bible says it. You're going to be tempted when you're drawn away of your own lusts, okay? It's your selfishness that opens the door for Satan to tempt you for moral impurity. Every guy in this room who's ever been tempted with pornography, you fell because you're selfish. You weren't considering your future wife, you weren't considering your kids, future kids or present kids, you weren't considering any of that. All you were concerned about was you. Because if you were concerned about your future wife or present wife or kids or whatever else, you wouldn't have looked at it. See, you're drawn away of your own lusts. Uh, That's what the Bible says. That's the bottom line. It always precedes moral impurity every single time. But I've noticed something else there. There's something that happens after moral impurity that becomes uh, equally devastating co-infection. And that is the issue of deception. Deception. I don't know about you, but the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things indecibly wicked. And all of us in this room recognize that. Remember when you were a little kid, nobody had to teach you to be deceitful, did they? But every one of you, if you have any kind of memory, remember times nobody taught you how to do it, but you tried to deceive your parents. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I was young I wasn't as smart as my parents. Aren't you glad too? Because sometimes we thought we were really being slick on our deception, but didn't work. I was four years old. I can remember it like it happened yesterday. It was Durango, Colorado, and I'm sitting on a booster chair. How many remember booster chairs? Yes, booster chair. And I'm sitting on that booster chair, and it's just like it happened yesterday. My mom puts the plate of food in front of me, and she says these famous words, uh, Jimmy, you can have dessert, but you've got to clean your plate. Now, I looked at the food. I don't remember what was on the plate, but I remember uh, not everything, but I do remember this. There were peas on the plate. Now, I'm just going to tell you something about peas, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, but you got to do something with peas. I mean, put some some other vegetables in there or put some cheese on it or cream them up, but peas alone, I don't know about you, that just doesn't, that's not very appetizing to me. And my mother said to me, you've got to clean your plate. And I looked over at dessert, and I think, man, I want dessert. And in my little depraved four-year-old brain, I said, and I don't want these peas. So, I figured i got to get rid of these things without Mom knowing. Now, that's kind of hard when you're sitting at a table to get rid of them. But in my depraved little four-year-old brain, I figured I can fool Mom on this one. I can deceive her. So, what I started doing was I'd eat a couple. I mean, I'm not dumb. You've got to make it look good. And uh, then I'd tip over. I kind of lean to one side of my booster chair, and i take a pea, and I'd put it under the booster chair then slip back, you know. And I don't know how many I ate, didn't eat very many, but a lot of them ended up underneath that booster chair and my mom was clueless. You know, I'm thinking, man, she was born yesterday, I got this thing down, I fooled her. And uh, I remember my mother looking over me, beaming, Jimmy, you ate your your meal. And she put the dessert in front of me and I enjoyed that dessert, not thinking about the consequences I was sitting on, (laughs) or the evidence, I should say. I was sitting on the evidence. You know, I leave the booster chair, you know how it is. <laughs> Go out in the living room to play, thinking I put one over on my mom. Not considering the fact that that evidence could one day incriminate me, and it might be sooner than later. And it wasn't much later, it, was, it wasn't later, it was sooner. And I can still remember the words, my mother calling my name. And every y- young person out here, even some of us old folks, we can remember the tone of our mother's voice when she calls our name when we know we are in big trouble. <laughs> And I remember hearing her name and looking up and all I saw was this, a booster chair in one hand, a rag in another, looking down at squashed peas. Everything goes blank. They say that unpleasant things are blotted out of your childhood. (laughs) Okay, I have a pretty good idea what happened. I don't remember, but I have a pretty good idea what happened. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm glad when I was younger I couldn't deceive my parents because they taught me it wasn't worth it. They really did. But sometimes in life, we continue to go down that trail. And one of the co-infections of moral impurity is this. You learn how to hide it. You learn how to hide it. Now look at the passage of Scripture in Proverbs 28. Look at verse number 13. It says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. This is a very familiar verse. In fact, if you ever travel on our team, I, I have a whole message on this particular verse, which I will not be able to preach here tonight. But let me just simply say, there's three aspects, I, uh, there's more than this, but three acts, aspects of deception I want to deal with, particularly in the era of moral impurity, but it really could come with any kind of stronghold. It could come with anger, it could come with a lot of things. And the idea is that when there's a stronghold in a life or an issue of moral impurity, many times there is a strong effort to hide it. For even anger, You may have a father who blows up his kids, but he certainly doesn't come to a Sunday school table and tell a Sunday school table, does he? He tries to act like he's something and not. We'll deal with that in a moment as well. But the idea of he that covereth his sins shall not, so my question would be, who's the Bible talking about here? Who are you covering your sin from? So i got a question for you. Can you hide sin from an all-seeing, all-hearing, ever-present God? And the answer is, (laughs) I don't think so. I think it's Psalm 139 that says, The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. God can see in the dark. You know, God knows everything. He knows every Internet site you've been to. He knows. God knows everything you've done, uh, everything you've said or laughed at in the break room. God knows. He knows. God knows everything you've said to your parents that wasn't true. God knows. God knows everything. I mean, he is, His eyes, the Bible says, are in every place beholding the evil and the good. You cannot cover sin from God. And if you think so, you've got a problem because He sees it all, <laughs> whether it's in darkness or in light. He sees it all. So, could this verse be talking about God? And the answer is, well, I don't think so. Because <laughs> you can't cover sin from God. So, who's it talking about? And the answer is, it's clearly talking about people who have a right to know. People who have a right to know. For instance, if I'm talking to a teenager, and he confesses that he's been viewing uh, uh, in, inappropriate material, then my first issue is, does your parents know? Do your parents know? Your dad know? Your mom know? Particularly your dad in that case. And and, uh, many times they'll say, well, no, he doesn't. I say, do you have a good relationship with your dad? Well, pretty good. And do you trust your dad. And we'll talk a little bit about that relationship, make sure we're ready to go on it. Most every time I'll encourage him, well, you need to get to your dad. You know what you need to do. You know why? Because he's covering her sin from somebody who has a right to know. See, it's like this with parents, and I think it's very important for you to realize this with parents, is um, if you've ever done anything behind your parents' back, and you know that it, if they knew about it, they'd be grieved or they'd be burdened. I'm talking largely at our young people here. If you've ever done anything behind your parents' back, and you know if they knew about it, they'd be grieved, they'd be burdened, then clearly you're not going to be right with God until you tell them. Why? Because you've done something they didn't want you to do, which means you're covering it. See, you're concerned about the consequence. That's why you're not telling them. Now, here's the problem with covering your sin you will get into a habit of deception that will go into your adulthood. And some adults in this room have hid your sin for years. And the problem is, you still have habits of deception. And not being forthcoming. So the point is, you've got to come clean. Now, let me just encourage you, don't get into partial disclosure. In fact, uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. But that's the young person that goes and tells his parents something, and then, you know, you know, kind of slowly lets it out because they're afraid. It's very important, I believe, to be completely forthcoming and not to be deceitful at all. And young people, let me just say this, even adults, because this is really true, I've certainly seen this to be true, that young people sometimes get it good at only giving their parents enough information to get them off their back. You know what that is? Deception. You know what I'm telling any young person? Never make your parents ask questions tell them all the information they need to hear so there's no questions to ask what do you think about that which I'm going to bring the second one because I need to tie this in it'd be the husband and the wife the husband's looking at filth he's never going to be right with God until he discloses to his wife and partial disclosure uh, really traumatizes a wife Uh, We did a lot of research on this, particularly my wife, and uh, talked about the fact when a woman hears some partial disclosure, then she hears more, then she hears more, then she hears more. You know what she will always wonder? Have I heard everything? And it's traumatizing every single time. Now, Conquer Series gives the, the advice that you need to have six months of victory and then fully disclose, I mean fully disclose. But the idea is simply this, when there is a lack of full disclosure to the people that have a right to know, you will get into constantly living a lie and acting like you're doing better than you really are and not fully telling everything that's going on. There's many times young people only tell three quarters of it or they'll tell just enough so they won't, you know, they they know that a little bit more. And, And I have generally found That the very first thing when a kid comes forward that he tells me the reason he came forward is not the reason he came forward. This happened just a week ago. I I mentioned this I think to college. I'm sitting next to this kid, sweet kid, uh, probably 16 years old. I sit next to him and said, what's up? He said, you know, he said, I really don't have a relationship with God. He said, I pray and God seems a million miles away and I just have a hard time just feeling like God's real. So my next question hit was, do you look at pornography? seems like a strange follow-up question. But he immediately said, yes, I do. He said, I have for five years and no one knows. You're the first human being other than myself to hear about it. See, the point is simply this. Was his problem that he didn't know how to pray and he didn't have devotions and God seemed a million miles away? Well, that was not his main problem. (laughs) And many times I have found that people when it comes to getting right about issues only partially disclose. And that keeps them from full victory particularly if it's someone, obviously, that they has the right to know. And any wife in this room has a right to know anything in any man's life in this room that has anything to do with the moral arena. She has the right to know everything. And that's the idea. See, the problem is when you hide moral impurity, you get a habit of deception. That's the way your heart's built. And I'm simply saying full victory never comes until there's full disclosure. Now obviously you may have to get some advice from, that's what Conquer Series is all about and get in a Conquer Group, they can help you navigate it because it's messy stuff and it's not easy. I had one man recently tell me, he wasn't a part of our ministry at the time, but uh, uh, he uh, told me that uh, he disclosed to his wife and they had three years of marital problems. And uh, that can happen. So, there are ways to properly navigate it, which I cannot go into tonight, except what I'm trying to help you to understand tonight is if you get into the habit of acting like you're something you're not, it affects your life. You can, uh, my friend, literally get right with God about it, but here's the problem. You still have a tendency to be deceptive. Now, I mentioned this about young people. Let me mention it about husbands. Uh, One of the books I read, and some of you, I mentioned this, I believe on Sunday morning, one of the books I read uh, talked about the man uh, was into all kinds of moral failure in his life. He got right with God. He fully disclosed to his wife. It was a very difficult thing, but then he made a decision in his life. He didn't necessarily tell his wife this, but he made a decision. I want to live in such a way that my wife never has to ever again ask me a question. So anytime there was any situation where there might be a question, he would give the information before she had to ask. You know what happened after two years? She earned her trust back, and she said, I fully trust you now. You see, that's what we're talking about, and I believe that's what the Bible's talking about. Because in a case like that, a man has become so deceptive to hide his tracks, so deceptive so his wife wouldn't catch on, so deceptive so other people wouldn't get it, that he gets a track record of deception that you have to absolutely fully front on confront or it stays a part of your life. See, deception is a huge co-infection. It's a huge co-infection. And I do believe it's one of the things that hinders revival because the Bible says it very clearly. God gives grace to the humble. Now, there's three aspects of humility, but the one I want to focus on, humility, is total Honesty, it's total transparency to the appropriate people. I'm not talking about that you have to go around and disclose your dirty laundry to everybody, but you're willing to tell anybody anything if God wants you to. You're not trying to act like you're something you're not. And certainly I have found this to be very true, when men fully come clean in the area of moral impurity, they recognize that that now is a part of their life message, and from that point on they're going to use that aspect of their life to minister to the other men who are struggling. And I I found some of these men are deeply humbled about their failure, but they're willing to tell anybody that God lays in their heart because they want to help pull them out and give them hope that God can do the same for them that God's already done for, for their life. Amazing. It's just amazing when you talk to those men. It's just, uh, it's, uh, it's just the presence of God. But that's the thing I want us to understand. Deception's a big deal. And deception is when we hide our sin from the appropriate people. I want every teenager in this room to know, if you watched a movie your parents didn't want you to not watch, and you have not disclosed that to your parents, you are already getting into the habit of not being forthcoming. And it's not going to help your marriage. See, one of the things that uh, we have done in the study of this issue, whenever you get a man who's sneaking something, the same thing can happen with a woman, but the, generally the man, you got a man who's sneaking something, looking things he shouldn't be looking at, he puts a wall up between, no miss this, not only him and his wife, but him and his children. In fact, one of the books we read recommended that a man eventually, when he gets a measure of victory, sit down with his family and explain the failure in his life so his kids, because often kids blame themselves for the gap between them and their dad. Now, I'm not close to my dad. Now, I'm not saying anybody's not close to their dad. I'm not saying that everybody, it's moral impurity. It may not be. There may be other issues in his life. Maybe some past hurts, et cetera, and find it difficult to connect with people. There may be another issue. Please understand that. But... There are many times uh, a father who's into pornography puts his hands up, don't get too close, don't get too close. Why? Because I don't want you to find out who I really am. And it damages the children because they're saying, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get close to dad? And many of them recommend that you need to be honest, particularly with your older children. So they understand it's not your fault, it's not your fault, it's my failure, it's not your fault. It's my failure. So the whole idea is, Becoming honest. Honesty is simply, again, in the leadership of the Lord. And I realize I've seen some situations where people may have made some missteps, but it's a whole lot better to move toward transparency than it is toward darkness. I'm telling you, young man, you need to understand something. Every time you look at pornography, one day you're going to talk to the woman you you marry. So you just need to know that. If you're going to have a good marriage, you're going to have to get honest about it. You're going to get, you have to get honest about all the junk you've done. Now I know that's not people, it's not going to work other than that. Otherwise you've got a secret. between You've got skeletons in the closet. You'll have a wall up between you and your wife. And you need to recognize that next time there's a temptation to look at garbage on the computer. You need to recognize that. In fact I just want you to know if your future father-in-law comes to me I'm going to tell him hey you need to talk to that guy. You need to find out everything he's ever looked at. You need to know. You need to go into the deal with your eyes wide open. You say, why? Now, don't miss this. Men who are into moral impurity, don't miss this. Seek innocent girls. Guys who are into moral impurity seek for a girl that is completely pure. And they, they don't, they're not trying to prey on them. They are so craving innocence. But what happens is if they don't get victory, if they get victory it's a different story, but if they get, uh, get victory before they get married, and the, by the way, marriage won't get you the victory, you better get it before you get married. <laughs> but what happens is if they don't get victory into that marriage, they bring that innocent girl in and you read the stories and it will make you cry. They defile that innocent pure wife with their filth. You say, what do you mean? Well, it's not that they necessarily get them to look at stuff But pretty soon, that woman realizes, I'm not measuring up. Can I say this, friends? You can't measure up to the world's to Satan's lie. The lie of Proverbs 5, 6, and 7, the strange woman. I'm trying to be very appropriate here tonight, but at the same time, be forthright enough, we know what we're talking about. And I will tell you, it's a tragic thing. So, I want every father out here to understand something. If you've got a pure innocent girl and some guy comes knocking, you better find out if that boy has a problem and if he's been in sustained victory for a long time. Because this stuff happens. And uh, they end up defiling. There's other things I could say that probably better not at the moment, but then you can talk to my wife if you have any more idea because she's certainly done a lot of study on the defiling nature of a man who is into pornography, how it defiles the the wife. And uh, it's just what it is. So deception. And I am absolutely convinced there will not be freedom in your life until you're absolutely forthcoming with everybody God wants you to be forthcoming with. Now some of you have been helped by the Conquer Series and we're going to certainly move on. And I felt, as I mentioned the other day, Conquer Series is great, but it's just the door. (laughs) The, the next step, the seven pillars it goes almost a year is uh, many men have told me that's where they got full victory, the seven pillars. That's where they were free. And like I said, two years, bare minimum, to get free. get a measure of measure freedom where you are now in a sustained aspect. And, and the freedom is not just from looking, the freedom is from thinking. See? And every young man in this room needs to understand God doesn't just want to free you from looking at filth, He wants to free you from thinking about filth. And that's where victory comes from. And I'm telling you, young man, if you want to be the husband you ought to be, you need to understand you've got to deal with that. And the only way you're going to have to deal with it, you've got to get open about it. Realize, I can't hide this stuff anymore. And I can't package myself as better off than I am. And I cannot partially disclose, I've got to be honest with the people God wants me to be honest with. Which if you're a young man, it's got to first of all start with your father. And then others God may lead you to that can be a help. Maybe you'll get a conquer group. I don't know. But all I'm simply saying, the deception is killing us. There has to be an honesty with the appropriate people. And it's essential. Now one thing you'll need to know as a Christian, I think everybody does, either you blow your cover or God will. Can I say it's a whole lot better for you to be forthcoming than for God to make you be forthcoming. You know the verse, Numbers 32, verse 23. Be sure, help me out now, your sin will? Be sure. Listen, if you're saved on your way to heaven, you cannot successfully hide sin on the human level. Now, God's patient. You can sometimes go for years. But on the human level, you will not be able to successfully hide your sin. You know why? Because God's dedicated to blowing your cover. You know why? Because He loves you. Reminds me of the story, perhaps you've heard it in England years ago, there was a woman and her husband made a huge mistake. Men do not make this mistake. He got an unbelievably large life insurance settlement and his wife was not that crazy about him. So here's the takeaway, man. If your wife is nuts about you, you can get a lot of life insurance. If she's not that crazy about you, don't get that much life insurance. Okay, I'm just trying to help you men out because I want you around for a while. And so uh, here's what happened. One night while he was sleeping, true story, she took a nail, and like the Bible she nailed it into the guy's temple. Because she wanted the bucks. I mean there were big bucks on the deal. And she was able to, every day they had bushy sideburns, and you know this is years ago before autopsies and X-rays, you know, and she was able to get that thing in there and get it all cleaned up. They came in, they didn't know why he died, just threw him in the coffin and boom buried him, and she got the money, big money. Boy, I'm sure she congratulated herself more than once on the deal, Wow got rid of the bum and look, I got the bucks. You know, I'm telling you, wow, this is great. And um, years went by and one day there was a group of uh, men that were called in to move the graveyard in which her husband was buried. Now, back evidently back then they didn't have to get permission from the nearest of kin. They were going to have to move it. Maybe a road, building, I don't know, but they're going to have to move it. And and what they were going to do was go down. Of course, the coffins would have been, you know, they're not like they are today. They would have been all rotten up and they just break through the rotten wood, gather up the bones, put them in a new coffin and bury them again. That's what they were doing. They were just, that was all they paid to do. Well, they came down to this man's thing, and they opened up his coffin, and they were taking the skeleton, and all of a sudden, they noticed there was a rusty nail in the skull. Rusty nail on the skull. Well, they realized, there's foul play here. This man was murdered. Well, they went back, did a little research, found out that the widow, uh, man died, no known reason why he died, and the widow got a lot of money. And man, they just put two and two together. And um, they walked over and came to her house, evidently with some policemen, knocked on her door. The widow came to the door. They stuck the rusty nail in her face. This is so British. If you don't understand it, you don't know Brits. But anyway, it's so British. They stuck their nuts, rusty nail right in the lady's face. And they said, ma'am, do you remember this? <laughs> face to face with the murder weapon, she was tried, found guilty, and hung for murder. Can I say this to every young man and young lady for that matter who's been hiding sin? It could be in the moral arena. It could be something else. It could be movies you watched you shouldn't watch. could have been doing video games that your parents told you not to. I don't know. It could have been doing video games they didn't want you to do. It could be doing video games, whatever. You could be doing a lot of things behind your parents' back. But there's come a day when the Holy Spirit's going to knock on your door and stick that rusty nail in your face and say, do you remember this? And I will tell you it's a whole lot better to go to those people that have a right to know and tell them about the rusty nail than it is for the rusty nail to be put in your face. See, it's the co-infection of deception. You know what integrity is? It's someone who does not knowingly deceive. The just man walketh in his integrity, his children are blessed after him. And I do not know, care who you are in this room, I promise you one thing, that if you will be a man of integrity, your kids are blessed. Didn't say, the just man walks in his perfection, doesn't say that. I'm glad it doesn't because none of us could do it. But it says the just man walks in his integrity. Reminds me years ago we were at a men's prayer breakfast we had at Market Manor. It was, it was the, one of the big events for the men and all kinds of men came, really did. And my dad would lead that and he'd talk often about moral issues and which was almost unheard of in that day. And he tried to really help the men. They had a prayer time and then they'd go eat breakfast. And, and it was just kind of what they did, kind of what they did back in the day. And, and uh, one day they were getting on their coats after the prayer part, heading over to breakfast. And one of the men was putting on his coats and evidently leaned over and a pack of cigarettes fell out. Now, I realized Smoking cigarettes not the worst sin on the planet. It could I said it this way? Smoking cigarettes won't send you to hell. Just smell. It just makes you smell like you've been there. Okay. But anyway, that's the only issue. And and so. Uh, uh, but anyway, they fell out. And here's what he did. He turned to the. The men were a little surprised. And he turned to the men. He said, "Somebody framed me." You know, I'm thinking uh, maybe you could do better than that. <laughs> Now I want to ask you, with his son sitting right next to him, I want to ask you a question. How do you think that went over with his teenage son? And the answer is, come on, Dad. He didn't say it, but come on, Dad. (laughs) That's not integrity. You know what integrity would have been? Well, now, man, you know I struggle with this, and I really need to get victory, and God needs to deliver me from this. Don't you think that would have been a better answer? See, integrity is getting honest. It's not playing games with the appropriate people. And all I'm just simply saying is, if you've had a track record of hiding sin in your life, and even if you get right about the sin, you have to understand you have a propensity toward deception. And deception can simply back holding back information that that person has a right to know. And many of you young people, are, you are experts at this. You know how to give your parents enough information, but withhold enough information you don't get in big trouble. And you are in really bad shape. And you're not going to have a good marriage. There has to be, as I mentioned, the willingness to say, you know, Mom and Dad, from now on, I don't want you to have to ask any questions. I'm going to give you all the information you can, so you don't have to ask any questions. But if you want to, I, I'll answer them. I don't know many teenagers who live that way, but if you'll live that way, I guarantee you this, you'll bless your kids and you'll probably bless yourself. <laughs> so there's that aspect of deception, hiding sin, covering sin, to so those have a right to know and it really is true. Those that have a right to know. That would even include some of you that are cheating in school. That's a that's not no, you, you, your teacher has a right to know. Your principal has a right to know. And that you got you'll never be right with God until you get that right. Now that brings us to a second dynamic of deception. The first one is covering our sin. Acting like that we didn't do something that we really did do and it puts a wall up in relationships particularly family relationships. Husband wife it's huge. Like fact, you, you show me a man who's sneaking pornography and I guarantee I'll show you a marriage that's got problems. There's fracture there. Which brings us to a second issue. And the second issue is then something I'm not going to deal with a lot because we dealt with it a lot last year. And that is the issue many times when there's sin in our life, here's what happens. Or there's unresolved issues in our life, we put on a mask. And again, I know we've talked about masks on Sunday morning, talked a little bit about it. And of course, um, uh, this era, we never thought we'd have to distinguish what kind of mask we're talking about. We're not talking about a literal mask. We're talking about acting like you're something you're not. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, I was in a Christian school, and we were on a beautiful, uh, beautiful ball court. It was a basketball court. It was wood. It was, you know, it was polished well. And, and they told us to go out there and do our trash ball game. And, and I said, do we put something down? I mean, I asked them all the questions. Oh, no, no, it's no problem. Go ahead. Well, they had a kid. I'll never forget this kid. He was, he was absolutely a joke. He was a freshman, so he wasn't, like, he wasn't young, young, but he wasn't old, old either. And, and I mean, he kept falling off his chair and he was moving around. And every, he, every time he did it, he got what he wanted. You know what that was? Laughter. After a while, it got old. If you may, I, I wasn't impressed. And after the game, I really wasn't impressed because he destroyed that gym floor. And there are a lot of people who weren't happy about it. So I kind of noted in my mind that the young man was just, that was a little over the top. I mean, you know, we all enjoy a little bit of humor, but it was over the top. It really was no shock on Friday night when he got up and he could not stop crying. He wept his way through. Uh, probably a three or four minute testimony, and he confessed to the entire student body his anger and hatred and bitterness toward God. That was really not, it was certainly something that would grieve me, but I wasn't surprised. (laughs) See, one of the things people sometimes do is they'll, they say that really, to be honest with you, many bitter people, or many people that are empty and have deep needs and hearts and hurts that are unresolved, use the coping mechanism of humor to hide the mask. Now, I'm not saying every class clown is bitter. I'm saying some are. Some of the funniest people you and I have ever known had so much pain in their lives, it was nothing more than a coping mechanism. They're acting like something that really was not true. Now, that can happen in different ways. Sometimes I'll come into youth groups, and you can see it, man, youth group kids act like, you're not going to move me, man. It was kind of like, hey, it's the uninvolved mask. I am absolutely too cool to do anything. And you see it. You know deep down they want to, but it's just kind of like, hey man, I'm cool. There is, um, there is the perfectionist. I've seen the perfectionist. And the perfectionist would simply be someone who is the life so out of control at home they can't control it. So they take the compartments of the life where they can't control and man they are perf- to a fault. Now perfectionism, all of us want to do excellence, but you always know you're into perfectionism when people get hurt by your perfectionism. See then you've gone too far. So, uh, we all want to do excellent, but that's it's a little different. It's a it's coping mechanism. It's a mask. <laughs> Their life's out of control so they act like it's not. And sometimes people carry that into marriages and everything else. There's many other things. Now here's the point I make. Many people can get right with God and even deal with the issues of moral impurity, but they still have learned to act like there's something they're not. And one of the greatest blessings the Bible tells us in the Word of God is honesty. And honesty is simply this, being th- just being willing and open, this is who I am. There's something about this, I don't know about you, but I think we all understand it. When you are living the life that really is, that's a lot easier than living a life that isn't. Because you have to concentrate to live a life that isn't. When you're trying to be something you're not, it's a whole lot, this is what you get, for better or for worse. And that's where freedom comes from, and that's humility. Humility. Sometimes people are trying to act perfectionistic because they feel like if people really knew me they wouldn't like me, which is not really true. In a sense there might be burden about your sin try to help you through it, but uh, godly people will reach out and love and say if you want to, somebody to help you we'll help you. That's what Congress is all about. We'll help you. We'll do what we can to get you through this thing, get you to victory. Okay, so the next aspect of deception is the mask. Acting like you're something You're not. Now we dealt with that a lot last year so I don't want to overdo that. So I'm going to go to the third one because the third one I don't have a lot of time to develop it but I want to mention it because it's a big one in particular in the study that my wife did and she shoveled material to me that I read. I want to give her the credit because she was the initiator and kept giving me I thought wow that was helpful, that was helpful. And that third one is this blame. In fact if you have your Bibles go to Psalm 53. Would you do that for Psalm I'm sorry, 51, excuse me, Psalm 51. And I want you to notice, of course, the, Apost- uh, the uh, King David is going through this thing and he's confessing his sin, partially, of course, was the sin of impurity, as we're talking about moral impurity. And let's, I want you to read in just a couple of verses here, if you're already there, Psalm 51. Look at start at verse number three. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee only have I sinned and done evil in the sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Now I believe in those verses you find true confession. Let me just say this, David in that confession did not blame Bathsheba at all. He took full responsibility for the sin. And he also said, God, I know you want to, uh, truth in the inward parts, and I'm dedicated to truth in the inward part. I'm not going to put a mask on if I want to put that in the other a point. I'm not here to act like I'm something or not. I'm going to just be dead honest about my needs and my problems in my life. Blame. Now, I'm going to just be honest with you. Men who view pornography often blame their wives. And I'll be honest with you, that doesn't make any sense at all. I'm going to tell you, sir, if you're looking at filth, don't you dare blame that woman because I don't care what she does or doesn't do. It is your full responsibility. God's grace is sufficient and you will never see victory until you take full responsibility. And it is absolutely tragic because the man will say, well, you know, you're not meeting my needs and I'll leave it at that. And we'll throw other things her way. And when you read some of the biographies of these dear women, you are absolutely stunned at the anguish they go through because they think somehow they're partially to fault. And you mark my words, they're not. Because in most cases, that guy carried it in the marriage. So why, girls, you better get your daddy to ask the tough questions. And if you're a daddy out here and you say, preacher, what kind of questions you ask, you come to me, I'll be glad to load you up with a bunch of questions. So I'm telling you guys, you got a problem. Don't send your future father-in-law to me because I'm loading them up. (laughs) You just need to know some of you guys just need to get serious about it. Some of you guys need to stop playing games. And some of you guys need to understand one day you're going to have to tell it all. So you better start dealing with it now. You better get broken over your sin now. And you better get sustained victory now. I'll be honest with you, you ought not be struggling when you're a senior in college. I'm telling you, friends, we are dealing with the crisis. Because I can just tell you now, all across this country, you go to any Bible college, I don't care where it is, and you're going to find the greater percentage of guys, I think it's close to 90%. I can't prove that scientifically. But I think it's that many guys who are struggling with viewing. It's killing us. They go into marriage. Father-in-law throws them softballs, kind of like the press does to Joe Biden. The father-in-law throws them softballs. I, I shouldn't make political humor, sometimes you can't help it. It's just like Pastor the other day was telling the kids, get out of the basement, get out of the basement. And I wanted to yell, yeah, you don't want to meet Joe Biden down there, get out of the basement. Okay, but anyway, I, I shouldn't think politically. I Because I, we got live streaming, I I say things later, I think, oh, why did I say that live stream? I'm sure Pastor said, why did you say that? Okay, uh, probably there's edits that Pastor calls in after I'm done preaching, and I, I wouldn't blame him, I really wouldn't blame him. Okay, pastor is way more self-controlled than the pulpit. Okay, I guess that's called being a pastor, not an evangelist. Okay, I get to leave. Okay, except here I don't leave. Okay, but anyway, so i kind got to come back. So I shouldn't say things like that. So hopefully if you're politically, uh, you just take it as humor and move on. Okay, but now I don't even know where I was going. Where was I going? Oh, yeah, softballs, softballs, yeah, softballs. Some of you guys are going to go to a future father-in-law that's going to throw you some softballs. You're going to marry and wonder why you have trouble down the line because you're going to start blaming your wife when she had nothing to do with it. I'm just telling you it's low down, bud. It's just low down to blame a woman had nothing to do with it. You just need to listen. Your wife will never compare with wicked women and she shouldn't. The marriage bed is sacred and I want to tell you if you're looking to pornography to tell you how it works you are looking to the perversion of it. You're not looking to a godly sacred way that God has intended it to be. And I'm just telling you guys, you've got to take your, 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 your sin against God, and you've got to realize this is a big deal, and you've got to realize, I don't care if I die in the attempt, I've got to get desperate. Some of you know we dealt with a lot of these things when we were at Camp Joy, but there's others in the room. Please uh, pardon the, some of the repetition. But the point, friends, is simply this. You can't blame. You say, well, I had an angry father. You can't blame <laughs> My dad didn't connect with me. You can't blame. I understand that some of those things opened the door for there to be failure in your life. I understand this, but you'll never get clean and you say, God, it's my, it was my selfishness that uh, caused me to get into that stuff. And it is the fact that I continued in it and I was deceptive. You'll get clean when you start getting honest and stop blaming anybody. One of the reasons I think it's helpful to go through all this, some of the father wounds, mother wounds, some of the things we've done, is it helps you understand, oh, now I see why I have such a propensity. That's all good stuff. But you get cleaned out when you deal with your sin. That's when you get cleaned out. That's why we dealt with Sunday night, selfishness. That's the bottom line. But now deception. It's being absolutely forthright to the appropriate people. I'm asking every guy who's ever been to filth, have you ever been forthright and completely honest about everything to somebody who has a right to know? Because you need to. I will tell you, I can see it with teenagers. You can see when they partially confessed, and you can see when they fully confessed. You say, how can you tell? I don't know. We used to put it that way. Is that guy all the way through? That was our terminology. Yeah, he's all the way through. No, he's not through. Or how about? Is that guy unloaded the whole truck? Yeah, he's unloaded the whole truck. You can tell they're free. And you can tell the ones that unloaded part of it, they're not free. But the point simply, friends, is back to this third point, blame. Blaming someone else for your moral impurity. Listen, you get on your knees and you need to say, it's not anybody's fault, God. That's what, the, that's what David's saying. I acknowledge my uh, transgression And my sin is ever before me. Against thee, the only have I sinned. God, I've sinned against you. Done this evil in your sight. He's not passing the buck. He's getting dead thorough about the thing. And he's just laying it out to God. I'm just simply saying it's a tragedy when you blame others for your failure. Don't get in the habit of doing that. Because what's going to happen in life, you're going to blame other people for your moral failures. Instead of taking personal responsibility, he that covers the sin shall not prosper. When you blame others, you're not gonna prosper. When you partially disclose, you're not, not gonna prosper. When you package yourself with something you're really not, you're not gonna prosper. But I promise you this, and I really do promise you this, because God does. When you uncover your sin and get right, and you get honest about who you are, and you start pulling the masks off saying, this is who I am, I'm a needy needy brother or sister in Jesus, I need God's grace, that's when God will meet with you. And you'll begin to see restoration when you stop blaming others, and take the full responsibility, and look to God, and He cleans you out. And that's what happens here, David gets cleaned out, so he can once again have a relationship with God, and be the the king that God intended to be, and God in His mercy did not require His death, which of course in Old Testament law was required. So God gave Him mercy. God will give you mercy too. I promise He will. As long as you do it His way. But if you cover your sins, you won't prosper. You won't prosper. Now I realize in a message like this, result of the audience, result of the situation, that you may need some practical help. I can't go through every scenario. There are obviously dangers and pitfalls and that's why we have conquer groups. But let me encourage you, if this resonated at all with you, get to your Sunday school teacher and as we talked about on Sunday, say to say to Sunday school somebody, hey listen, I need to go through conquer series. I need some help because we will help you. <laughs> And you know what my goal for you is that not only you'd go through Conquer Series 7 pillars, that you'd get to full victory, and it wouldn't be but a couple years from now, you're now leading the Conquer group, helping other men get into full victory, because you blazed the way and say, hey, listen, Jesus did it in my life, He can do it in yours too. But you will never blaze the trail to helping others into victory if you're acting like you're something you're not. It never works that way. Deception is one of the co-infections of moral impurity. Deception is one of the co-infections of moral impurity. And I will tell you, friends, Satan wants you to embrace deception. Because if you do, you will always lose. In military warfare, most of us know this, I'll conclude with this, that many times a battle has been won, not by the stronger army, but because the army used... Deception. You know, I want to tell you something, friends. When it's God and Satan, Satan is not the stronger army. You know why he wins? Deception. Many years ago when I was in the Bible lands, we had a, we had a guide who was uh, fought in 1948, 1967, and 1973. If you know anything about Israel history, those dates, you know exactly what those dates mean. And uh, I can't remember which one. I think it was 67, the Six-Day War. I can't remember which one. They were down in the Sinai. And uh, the Egyptians at that point were, if you remember, I think it was a surprise attack, the Egyptians were, uh, outnumbered them. But at night, what the Israelis did is they pulled a Gideon. You know what they did? They hardly had anything. They took tanks. And all night long, they ran their tanks in a circle like this. That's all they did. Ran their tanks in a circle. And the Egyptians thought... Man, are they bringing in the tanks. Just a few tanks going around and around in a circle. And they thought they were bringing in who knows how many tanks. And when the morning light dawned, the Egyptians were gone. The stronger army lost. Why? Deception. And I will tell you something, friends. The only reason God will lose in your life is because you buy into Satan's lie of deception.